We've all imagined them, or maybe even seen them on TV or in a movie. Epic conquests that test your outermost limits and change what you believe is possible. Maybe it's crossing an Ironman finish line or finishing 100 miles through the Rocky Mountains. But with work and family and bills, those often seem out of reach for the average guy. Or maybe they're just reserved for the lucky ones who train for a living or have less on their plates. Well, we're just not willing to accept that. Yes, we have jobs and wives and kids, and we certainly aren't pro athletes. We're just average dudes, rejecting an average life. This is the 3OK Runners Podcast. Welcome back to the next episode of the 3OK Runners Podcast. This is the third part of the series Wives Tell All. This is episode number 20, and we are bringing my wife Jenny on with Brother Jared and Chief today. And right out of the gate, uh, if you hear my brother refer to my wife as Jenny, it is because my wife spells her name J-E-N-N-I, and we have a sister named Jenny who is J-E-N-N-Y. So let's kick it off. I'm anxious for Jenny to be on the hot seat. Let's hear what you got to say. Thanks for waking up early this morning, Jenny. So uh, we recorded the other two on Sunday, and then we normally record Tuesday at 05. Well, Jenny's a trooper. Got up at 05 with us. Oh, no, no, no. I got up at 0415. 0415 <laughs> to get ready for the live podcast. And uh, there's really no better way to start this but then just to dive right into some questions and get going. So have you ever been to Colorado Leadville area up in that elevation? Um, I've been to several places, Colorado, Elevation. I can't say specifically Leadville, no, huh? I'd be surprised how many people have been there. Like, I'll be like, yeah, I'm going to Leadville. Like, oh, I've been there. A good I'm friend like, of mine lives in Evergreen, um, mm. which is like every time I've gone to visit, it's just we're just going up the mountain for a really long time before we get to her house. But I don't know how far up that is. Yeah, I, I have the same experience. My neighbor. I said, yeah, I'm doing this Leadville race. He was like, oh, yeah, we went to Leadville one summer. I was like, really? And he said, yeah, we went whitewater rafting. And he had a whole story. And I was like, I literally had never even heard of it until the race. I didn't even know Leadville was a city until the race. I thought Leadville was just the name of the race. But it was actually started (laughs) in the city of Leadville. So that's as much as I knew. But my brother, he's like, yeah, my Uncle Dale and I, we drove the motorcycles. I'm like, when? When did you do this? Oh, he's after you joined the Navy. I was like, okay. So, um... You have enough experience following Jeff over many years of endurance, sports, and events, Ironman, Xterras, running, marathons. So you have a general idea of what it takes to accomplish the race, right? So now your role has upped a level from spectathlete <laughs> and motivator to crew chief. And that is a, you know, pacers are a big deal, but crew chiefs are the biggest deal. We can't get through the race without a crew chief. We can't get through the race without a pacer. So what have you talked about when it comes to game plan? What is your game plan right now as a crew chief, Leadville, and Jeff? Was um, Okay, well, I mean, we haven't talked about it a whole lot. I have brought it up a few times, and it's usually like we'll get to that when, when we all sit down with you guys. Um, a lot of times it's, I think it would be a general consensus idea, but more, more often than not, when, when he does reference a crew chief, it's basically like telling me what I need when I don't realize what I need because my mind's not right. Like, you know, I don't know, drinking Red Bull on the side of an Ironman when that's not your nutrition plan. 
The I did need some outside influence. Maybe, maybe that decision would have been made a little differently had somebody else been speaking it to me at that moment. No, but, I think that's fair, Jen. I, Cordy and I have not... We haven't really like dove into what I expect from her. I haven't even really started thinking about it in, in a lot of detail. You know, when when we interviewed Beth and she was kind of talking about all the things that she was planning and things that her and Chief had talked about, I'm sitting there going like, oh boy, we're way behind. Yeah. Uh, because I hadn't done any of that stuff. We, we both had kind of uh, chuckled about that because it seemed like... Uh, Beth and Chief were far more prepared than anything that Jenny and I have talked out, talked out. And it's, it's amazing to think about when you hear them talking about it, it makes me feel like, wow, we should be talking about it more, but I already feel like I talk about Leadville all the time. I don't necessarily want to take up all of your time talking about Leadville. So I, I think we will, you know, after we go see the course and come up with some sort of game plan, I think the conversations will become much more in depth. So I'm not sure us talking about it now does anything more than just make me a little more concerned. Well, I, I mean, I obviously listen to the podcast. So the first time that I was like, hey, I need to know about this was after <laughs> you, what you guys were talking about on the Pacers podcast and what you expect from your Pacers and your crew chief. And I was like, oh, this is a little more serious. And I, I I, I, we need to have this conversation, babe. Um, and we did then, and then it's you know been on the table since then. <laughs> I'm going to lay out that what I have and my wife have planned is a very amateur idea of what <laughs> possibly could happen. Because realistically, I wasn't going to say that, but <laughs> <laughs> thank you for laying that on the table for us. The because honestly, we already know, like Mike Tyson says, everybody has a plan to get punched in the face. So. We have a plan, but that doesn't mean anything. You know, you just really need to have a general preparedness for about everything. You know, first aid kits, variety of nutrition is what I'm picturing. Uh, another pair of shoes, socks, shirt, short, anything that could possibly happen is is what. The only thing that I've probably nailed that I think is going to really work is I want four of those soft flasks for the vest. And so when I get to the next aid station, she's already going to have the soft flasks mixed. So I can just change them out and then and go from there, right? And I'm, I plan on taking the vest off and she's filling the bladder and then the whole night. But that's about the only thing that I really have pretty comfortable and confident in. So, and we did talk chair, right? We're, I'm going to definitely going to do chair because chair. We were initially like going to say no chairs because the other, there was a podcast. I was never going to say that. Okay. <laughs> I had heard no, you I'm guys. I'm sure sitting in a chair. Yeah. I, I did the first one with no chair. And when the guy sat next to me in the chair, it seemed so happy about life and I'm on the ground thinking if I am trying to tie this shoe I'm going to cramp in my stomach muscles again and I'm, I'm done I thought I'll, I won't ever be without a chair that's a good point yeah my I, what I'm looking forward to most I think is seeing my wife trying to put the Njinji socks on my toes <laughs> while I'm sitting in the chair at the aid station. <laughs> I can just see the fight happening now. Spread your toes, damn it. They are. I'm cramping my calf. And you're going to intentionally leave them inside out just to be a little bit more of a pain. You know? Yeah, that's really what I'm most looking forward to. Wait, wait, wait. Did you put lube on my foot? <laughs> All right, let's try this again. So... Game plan wise, yeah, I mean, but we've got time. There's time to kind of get this game plan going. And then our scouting trip to Leadville next weekend will be a big kind of understanding of what we think we're going to need, when we're going to need. 
because there's some questions still that I have is like, what aid stations can the crew chiefs go to? Because the map is kind of confusing. It says yeah. no entrance, but does that mean like no parking there and like you can walk in? Or does that mean like no crew chiefs there at all? So that's some of the questions we'll see if we can get answered while we're up there maybe. Um, and there's probably other people listening that has that question. Yeah, Jenny yeah. has, you know, been absolutely wonderful at my races at being being at places. Mm-hmm. And honestly, even the places that we have talked beforehand about, hey, I would really love to see you here. She seems to show up at other places unexpectedly. And the pick-me-up that that gives, you, you just can't um, prepare for it and you can't explain it. So it, that kind of stuff is, is very worth it. Uh, I do think Leadville just travel wise is going to be a little different because I, I do think they, they limit access to that trail for the cruise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you know, the, the difference too, though, is in these running races, you have quite a bit of time because we, we just don't cover distances um, the same way you do. Like at, you know, at Ironman, Chief and I were having a hard time staying ahead of you on the bike because realistically, you're covering pretty good ground on a bike. You know, we're in a car, but we're not that much, you know, we're not moving that much faster than you, especially when you're trying to get through the race course and things like that. And so, yeah. you know, like we said, we missed you. What That one time we showed up and you passed us literally in 30 seconds from us sitting down. And so one thing I think would be really nice is they'll have some significant time to take some of that rush, you know, out of it, Jen, I, that, that I know you feel trying to spectate races. Yeah, what's the what's the thing that concerns you the most about, I mean, this, this seems like a daunting task, I know from the runner's aspect, but just, I, I never thought about it from the crew chief aspect, but what, you know, what, what, uh, concerns you the most about this experience so um honestly being able to track you so that's been one of the things that going from all the way back to the first iron man right in, in boulder where there wasn't really a live tracking court and i had to guess with all these kids you know going across a course that and, and a place that we weren't familiar with and all the way up to Tulsa. Tulsa was awesome. Like I could almost get real time while you were moving where you are. Wow. Like he just passed me. How did I miss him? You know? Um, but I, I think the aspect of there being probably not as good of service is what I would hope for in the middle of a mountain. Um, and, and I'm not going to be able to track you. You've got a better watch than an Apple watch. Now I can't like, I can't log into. <laughs> it's, it's no Garmin Phoenix. But, I mean, maybe, maybe it is. Uh, maybe it is. We'll find out. I can't, I can't log in, you know, find my whatever and find yeah. you. And I just, I won't know what to expect on, on any other race that we've, we've done. There's access to roads. There's access to all kinds of areas and places where, where I can figure out, oh, I could probably see him here based off of if you're going 15 miles an hour, I saw you at this time at this location, you know, it's just not going to be that. It's a trail. It's, I'll have absolutely zero clue. Yeah. And this is such a long race that I think sometimes, you know, you end up around the same people after some time has passed. And so you kind of get used to, oh, we, we usually see this person before we see them. And I think on a race like this, the people around you might change dramatically over a hundred miles and 30 hours. So that, that may not be much help. Yeah, I think that too. I mean, if you think about, um, how 
much things change, even in the run in an Ironman, right? I mean, that's when you start to see people that are, you know, if, if you're still running, even even decently on the Ironman marathon, you start passing a ton of people. Um, and I think the same thing is, is going to be the case at, at Leadville. You know, you hit that turnaround. I bet for the first 40 to 50 miles, you probably will kind of hang around, you know, whatever pace people settle into. Yeah. But then when you turn and get Once on the that hiking backside, starts, I mean, there's so much space in between aid stations. If you're hiking that, that's, that's a lot of hours. Yeah. Like I'm anticipating, I'd probably catch Chief somewhere about seventy four. I, I sort of, <laughs> I've done the math on this, and so I think you know between like seventy four and seventy eight, I'm probably going to be with a brand new group of people that I haven't run with yet. <laughs> and so, you know, just as an example. Right. But but we can't. So you don't pick up your crew chiefs and your pacers until fifty, correct? That is correct? actually no. Just pacers. Um, just pacers okay. at fifty. I think the crew. Uh, can be at aid stations and will hit uh, four aid stations before okay. 50. Don't don't think they they will. Yeah, you, you can. <laughs> I don't want her at 50 miles and be like, wow, we really probably should have nailed that down a little bit. Yeah. No, she she can. But the question is, how many can they hit? I know they for sure can be at 20, the 23, 26 range and Twin Lakes and yeah. Winfield. But the Winfield, they got to take the bus over the pass. You can't drive to Winfield. Yeah, I, I actually think for me, um, you know, Twin Lakes seems to be the place. I'm not really sure. I, I want to pick up Mike coming back over from the 50-mile mark, but I'm not sure that's where I want you. I think I want you at that 62 off of Hope Pass, and and now, like, the true race starts. My, in, in, in my view, the crew should be everywhere the crew can be because I just don't think – you can predict whether you'll need something or not and when you will need something. And so I, I think yeah. I, I think a lot of this race is going to be getting on top of whatever issue is, is happening before it becomes a major setback. And so, you know, if there's something going on at whatever, okay, mile 54, and you go through an aid station at 60 that you've decided, I won't need my crew at 60, I want them at 68, then you've just gone eight more miles and turned, you know, something that it shouldn't be an issue into a bigger issue. And so in, in my view, the expectation is I the crew should be everywhere they can be just in case. Because if you think about it, if she stays at Twin Lakes, that's a 20 miles until you, you see her again. Think of a marathon. A lot can happen in 20 miles. So, I mean, it's not a bad idea to have. Because Hope is going to be the slowest part of the race anyway. So, if you saw her at 40, she can be there at 50 pretty easily. And then back at 60, coming back over the pass, I think, with relative ease. Yeah, I think I, anywhere you can be. <clears throat> I'm, I'll be curious to see how easy it is for the crews to get around. I am too. This is, this is something, hopefully, we run into somebody who's been through this before that can answer a lot of these questions. Well, and I think, I mean, look, Jen, I, I, I know you well enough to know that there's going to be other crews there, and you're going to learn in the moment from other crews that are there, right? I mean, I, I think there's this, there's also an aspect of this where just like the racers sort of see the other racers that they're around, 
the crews are going to see the other crews yeah, that they're yeah, around. And so I think there's going to be, um, you know, a, a whole nother kind of crew race that's happening um, where, you know, you guys are going to be able to, to learn from some people around you um, just the same way, you know, just the same way we do. Yeah. If you see somebody doing something amazing, I don't you just take credit for it, and we just start adding like that was like a regular thing for us. We, yeah, we were exactly. just planning that. And I bet I, I guarantee you, a lot of these crews have have run Leadville, and so you know, not only are they going to be an excellent resource in terms of crew and what yeah. you should be and where you should be and things like that, but they've probably run Leadville too. Yeah. So I mean, you know, we're all we're all going out there as these newbies. <laughs> for you know, sure. It's like uh, here, here's what we ought to do. Here's our plan. We may learn that you know our plans are stupid. Newbie athletes, newbie crews. Well, we've got the best advantage. This is gonna be great. <laughs> Who's in the American flag speedo? <laughs> is that one of those three okay runner guys? <laughs> hey, I've got a question for you, Jenny. So in in my mind, you know, I want uh, to sort of turn over the crew aspect to court and and say you know kind of own this and however you do it is how you do it and I don't want to have to think about it right and so in my head Courtney is not sort of doing what I've pre-planned for her to do she's not having you know whatever nutrition I've said I want this at mile whatever and this at mile whatever and the reason for that is because I know what I think I'm going to want almost never turns out to be true. I mean, there's been so many times, even even Coyote Run Chief, you know, what I had for nutrition in my backpack, I ended up not wanting. Um, and so, you know, if I would have set Courtney up with, hey, at mile whatever, this is what I want you to have ready. I would have gotten to that mile and said, I don't want this. And so... I almost have this idea that I don't even know what I'm going to get to eat at mile 42. And so I'm coming into 42 wondering, you know, is it ramen? Is it a quesadilla? You know, I don't, maybe it's a honey bun. I don't know. And so. Maybe something exotic I've never had. (laughs) So I sort of have this idea that, you know, I want to kind of talk with Courtney about everything and, and get a sort of big picture game plan and then say, you take this and you own it and we'll adjust on the fly to, to whatever's not working. Um, but Jeff and I don't approach things very similarly. And so, you know, I, I wonder with kind of how Jeff works and how Jeff wants to plan and know what's happening. Um, do you envision kind of you guys sitting down and working out the details for every aid station beforehand, or are you kind of envisioning like, look, I'm the crew chief. This is my job. You're the runner. You run all crew. Stay out of my job. <laughs> um, well, uh, as you were saying all those things, I just think like this, the being a mom has prepared me, Beth and Courtney for this so well, because how many times do we, have we in the past where our kids are a little older now, but loaded up everything we could possibly need in case they need it or in case they don't know they need it, but we know they're going to need it at some point. Um, so I don't think this is any different in that aspect. Like even if I was loading up a bit diaper bag and Jeff got onto me, we don't need all that shit. 
I might need a diaper at that point. Like, I mean, the thing is, is like, even at that point, you know, seven years ago, I would have been like, but we might. And so he might have a game plan. He might have, I think I'm going to need this and this and this. I need you. But I'm probably still going to have a hundred other things in my tool belt because just like, just with every other race we've ever been through, there are ultimately always things that you don't need that you think you do or vice versa. And so I think being overly prepared is, is like a like go-to mom thing. And, and how many stories do we have post-race where it's like, oh, and then, you know, did you get one of those cheese quesadillas at mom? How great was that? Yeah. And, you, and it was kind of an unexpected thing and you tried it and it like hit the spot. And, you know, if you were sort of, pre-planning everything that would have never been in that plan and you would never have that sort of post-race story. And so I don't know, there's like this element of it that I almost want to leave up to the crew chief to, to say, Hey, let's try this. Yeah. I think, you know, it's a little bit of both. I think, you know, if, if you completely don't plan, then I think there's anxiety in that. And if you, over prepare, I think there's anxiety if it doesn't go exactly to plan. So I think on a race of this magnitude, especially with the race history that I have and having done it all of the ways, I, I do think it's kind of a balance of like, I'm, I might want this, this is typically what I want, but I'm definitely going to be open to another option. And I think at that point, it becomes a visiting with your crew chief in the moment of, this is, this is what I would like, you know, th- this is what your options are. Um, and so I, I think Jenny and I are better at that than we ever have been just mainly because we've been through so many more races. Um, and so I, I think it's going to be a balance of all that. And we're, she's much better at adjusting on the fly than I could ever dream of being because I tend to want to stay to the plan because in my mind, that's what equals success. And it, it just doesn't have to always be that way. No, and I mean, <clears throat> being a mom, it always it makes it flexible. And I think you guys have a great point of they could throw in some random stuff in there. And that could be because if your mind is just sitting there thinking like, I'm going to eat a cheese, cheese quesadilla at mile 60, it becomes almost not really what you're wanting at that point, right? That's what's been in your head for 10 miles. And so that surprise food or surprise drink might be, besides Red Bull, might be <laughs> what you're wanting. But, well, there's going to be aid stations there, too. So there's going to be other things that you can even mix up even more. So you don't need to be, like, a giant fridge full of stuff. But right. So, Jenny, next question. What would be one reason why Jeff will finish Ironman? Leadville. Leadville. I'm sorry. Leadville. <laughs> why would, what would be one reason why Jeff would finish Leadville? Keep uh. in mind that you'll have to answer the opposite of this too. Oh, um, I think one of the things that Jeff struggles with in any race is he gets to a certain point and needs someone to be there and say, no, you, you, you've done the training. You can do this. Like this is where you are because you guys, when you're running, you don't know where you are, how many miles you have left to go, how much time frame and capacity that you have. And that's what anybody who's a, you know, support crew can tell you. But he, every time at every race he's ever been at, even if it's just a 26 mile marathon, right? Like he gets to a certain point and goes, I don't know if I can finish this. I'm not sure if I can finish this. And you go, yes, you can. And he gets mad at himself and says, but I, I trained for this, but I don't know if I want to. Like, I, I don't know if I can. And in his brain, 
he is thinking, I've taken time away from my family. I've gone on training runs. I've done things that have sacrificed life to accomplish this. And in, and it's just your brain, right? Like you guys said, like when you said you were going to go 50 miles, you finished those 50, but you're like, I couldn't have gone anymore. How, how, how am I going to finish hundred? Well, you didn't tell yourself you're going to go hundred. So, um, I mean, I don't, I don't think he, he ever really thinks he's not going to do it, but the biggest motivator I would say for him to finish is because he took and sacrificed a lot of time and effort and energy to train for that. And by not finishing, that would all be for naught, right? So it's, it's his mental game. Oh, yeah. His mental toughness. Yeah. And then let's flip the coin because I didn't know where you were going with that with that answer. I was like, uh, but here we are. <laughs> what is the one reason why Jeff, what would be a reason why Jeff wouldn't finish Leadville? Uh, I think the only reason he wouldn't finish would be an injury. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't think it would be a time cutoff. You have to be specific because Beth was specific about oh. injuries too. <laughs> she right. said anything above the waist doesn't count. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> Compound <laughs> fractures are repairable on the trail. <laughs> um, well, I mean, you had that hamstring at Ironman Austin that yeah. gave you some issues. You have some cramping issues, but typically you can get through those. I mean, I honestly think it would have to be like a torn something. Um, so yeah, something just isn't runnable. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Like you, you're not able to move beyond this point. Like that's where, that's where a DNF would come into play. Other than that, I think he'd push through or, or break to, you know, alleviate the cramps or whatever. Man, I think it's interesting that, uh, all three wives say injury. Injury. That's it. And, uh, I mean, I mean, I, I think it, it, it's nice to see kind of that level of confidence um, in us, but it's... Uh, They've got more confidence know. in us than we have in ourselves right now. It's anxiety-inducing for, for me to hear them say the only reason I could imagine them not finishing is an injury. Um, is, is that because we've succeeded in the races that we've done? I think so, but I mean, yeah, I think so. Um, but I also think it's, it's sort of, um, it's sort of just a feeling that, that people around you that only see the successes, um, kind of think, oh, of course they can do it. Yeah. They're, they're, they're crushing it. They're going to do it. Um, you know, like our wives are not with us on a training run that goes terrible and I stop it, you know, two miles short of what I thought I was going to stop it. Um, and I think, you know, wow, I was, that was a 15 mile run and I made 13 and felt like I was at the wall and, yeah. and that's not even in the same atmosphere as what I'm supposed to be doing. Right. They don't, they don't in that sort of mental space that we all feel and have and go, man, I can't believe I had to push that hard to get 15. How am I going to push that hard to get a hundred? Um, and so I think some of it is what they see a lot of times is the finished product. Um, and what they don't live in real time is kind of the, the training failures along the way. And, and there's always a lot of them, right? Yeah. They get a first hand experience of all of the training just in block that goes into it. And so they see, Oh, we're running today. Oh, we're running. My kids even do that. Callaway just the other night said, dad, you're always running. 
you know, and, and so it's like, that's what they're thinking. So always running equates to, oh, this will be a running success. Yeah. And so they're the part that they're not into is in our minds when, yes, I'm always running, but I feel like I can't run any farther. And what we're trying to do is run that times 10. And I, I think that's anxiety that the participant carries with them. And I think sometimes looking from the outside, whether it's your family or even your friends, what they see is, oh, you're doing, you're just, you know, doing all your training. You're just crushing it. And I, I don't think they're privy to the ups and downs of in the moment and the fear of, yes, I know I train all the time, but I also know that that doesn't necessarily mean that I can produce on that day. Yeah. Just like I had talked in earlier podcasts, my my safe mechanism is to doubt myself immediately, is to say, I, I don't know if I can do it. And that's like my safety mechanism in case I don't. And so to have that level of confidence from somebody else, is, it even induces that even more safety mechanism of saying, well, hey, you need to be prepared for me not finishing. You need to be prepared for these things. And so... It's just like you said, like us doing the training and then not succeeding at the training plan and like day to day life and not getting executing a good training run and not really whatever it was just induces more of that doubt on our end and our family sees us getting up and grinding every day and they're seeing big picture. Maybe that's what we need to see is big picture more yeah, than we're, and we're looking at day to day point. points, right? Also, like <clears throat> just taking the three of you as my only examples, right? I don't know anyone else who's run this race, but just in general, I'll just use the two of you in your college studies, right? Like you might've said, Hey, I'm going to study and I'm going to get through this many chapters or this many, whatever that day, because you know, you had a test the next day or, you know, you like had a pretend brief or, you know, whatever in law school. And it didn't go to plan that night. You got really tired or something came up or whatever. And you kind of knew still you could prepare yourself the next morning. You could do something on top of that. It definitely doesn't, it doesn't mean that you can't fit, go and do the final product. It means that day your training didn't go as planned. But you guys are all super successful men who throughout your lives have proven that you can do really, really hard things. Jeff, you went into your final college, which was your third, well, before veterinary school with not a chemistry and a biology degree and finished with a double bachelor's in both. And you were told by everyone there, you can't get this accomplished. And you did. So there's nothing, there's no precedent in any of your lives that say that even if it doesn't go to plan during the training plan, that you won't accomplish the end goal. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely think in order to tackle something of this magnitude, you almost have to be a little stubborn with normal thinking Otherwise, you just wouldn't entertain the idea of 100 miles at 10,000 feet. And so I, I think just the ability to tackle something like that shows something inside that says, I'm not afraid of hard things, um, although this may be the hardest thing we've ever done. This will be. Hands down. will be the hardest thing. That, can you imagine that one second click of a mouse and how much... <laughs> Like the butterfly effect of that click of registering for Leadville, like there's a butterfly effect here, right? You've just changed your course of your life for the next us ended up being two years. Yeah. I mean, our whole life was changed for two years off of that one text message and that one click of that mouse. But that's where we're at right now is that, that course of, I mean, it was just kind of magnifying out at this point, right? Rippling as it is. So, 
Um, the one thing, Jenny, I think what would make you a good crew chief and wrapping up this episode is that you're easygoing, you're flexible, you're supportive, your, your ability to want to help is going to be essential for this race. I mean, you crewed Jared and I at Ironman Tulsa by getting us more beer than we were even wanting at the time, right? <laughs> You get, you're that's, over, that's true. you're helpful, you're over helpful. And, uh, so that, that's why I think Jeff will, will succeed in that aspect of the fact that your guys' team together, you're just going to be able to take whatever he throws at you and, and get it done for him and find a way. And you're, you're, you're able to talk to other people and get things done. And you got us behind the ropes at the finish line at Ironman to, Go hang out with him and, you know, you're just able to kind of make things happen. And so I think that'll be a great aspect of being a crew chief for the race. I think that'll really play out for you. I also think that you are very good about um, rising to the occasion. I think you have the ability to put away a lot of distractions to stay in the moment and what's the goal of the moment. And that's one of the things that I really think will help because I, I think potentially there's going to be so many distractions. We talked about this with Courtney. There's going to be so many distractions with other crews and other runners and how we feel and what's going on in the time and this and that. I think the ability to stay focused on the task will be a crew chief priority because I think all of those around you might not be able to stay focused, including us. Um, so that's, I'm, I'm excited about that. Does, does anybody have any more questions for Jenny? So wrapping it up, as we're talking about challenges and crews and stuff, I wanted to give a, a shout out to my neighbor, Ryan. He's He has signed up for the uh, Memorial Marathon full, and he's always wanted to do it. And our podcast had motivated him to sign up and get going. And as we're talking about his training and his, and his game plan and stuff, so Ryan has genetic diabetes. Where Is it diabetes? Is that two or... I, I, I don't want to put you on the spot. Dude, I work on veterinarian. Animals, I know. So <laughs> he has diabetes regardless. And his, his issues that he deals with is a whole nother level. Like he's like, Hey, my, my blood, my sugar goes up and down. And I'm like, wow, I didn't even think about the struggles that in just that in itself. Right. And so I want to give him a shout out and say, Hey, congratulations, man. Keep going. You're, you're doing great. If anybody battles with that same thing, please email into us so we can kind of help out. And if anybody has tips for him, uh, but why I wanted to say that was, is open it up to what have you, if, has this podcast done anything for you? Have we motivated you? Have, have you changed something about what you're doing because of this? And if you have right in a, a bunch of people have emailed us and Instagram us and stuff. And, uh, not just the ones talking about Jeff talking about his watch too much, but <laughs> the ones, uh, uh, you know, things that you've done because of this, we want to hear about that. Cause that, that motivates us to keep going. Or if there's things you want us to talk about, please write in and, and we're super flexible about this kind of thing. So we want to help everybody out. Yeah. I would also like to thank the wives, Jenny, thank you for coming on and visiting with us and Courtney and Beth, when you're hearing this, thank you all again for coming on and uh, also for agreeing to crew chief the three of us. Uh, you guys be looking for our episode coming from Leadville as we go scout the course and hopefully stalk down some people who have done this before who can help answer some of these basic questions and be looking for our follow-up episode when we bring them back and say what actually is the plan. So yeah, I think we're done for now. Brother Jared, anything to add? Nope. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you all next episode.